Welcome to the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxby's. Taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order at zaxby's.com. For our first segment today, we have a very special guest, ESPN college football analyst Kirk Herbstreet. Got to talk to him about the All-State Mayhem moment, which he predicts every week, and and then uh, looks back at the moments that made uh, this weekend's college football action crazy. So we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about uh, Jalen Hurts and the, the Heisman Trophy and how Oklahoma's offense is rolling along, Lincoln Riley, Trey Sermon, and also about Alex Grinch's defense as well as UCLA and looking forward to the game on Saturday. Here is Kirk Herbstreet earlier this week. Kirk, thanks for joining us. The first question I had is about the uh, All-State Mayhem moment. We'll start there. Tell us a little bit about this and how difficult is it to come up with these every week? Yeah, I, I've been working with Allstate for a number of years, and um, they're obviously all over college football. And last uh, few years, we've done the mayhem moment where we react on a Saturday night. And, and this year, we're doing a little bit of, of two different things. Number one, Tuesdays on Twitter, I give my prediction of where the mayhem moment of the week might be coming from, whether it's an upset or an individual player that might have a big game or whatever might cause some commotion. Um, I, I look at my crystal ball and try to predict where that might come from. And then Saturday night on my broadcast on, on ABC, uh, usually in the second half, we just react to the, the, kind of celebrate college football by looking for where, where was that, that, where's the buzz of the day? Where's the big story? Uh, where's the mayhem? Um, so it's more of a reaction, and we, we kind of recognize that on, on Saturday night. So uh, both on Tuesday on Twitter and then Saturday night during the game, we, we try to look for the mayhem moment. I imagine it's pretty fun uh, trying to come up with your prediction for the week. Uh, yeah, it's impossible. If you have any suggestions, <laughs> let me know. <laughs> I, I wish I did because I have to make one uh, a bold prediction every week for something to happen during the OU game. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah, it's 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 uh that's what makes this sport so fun is how unpredictable it is so it's it, it makes for trying to do something like that it's, it's it can be a little challenging yeah no doubt about it uh we're gonna ask you about oklahoma uh first of all on the defensive side what have you seen so far about what alex grinch is doing defensively and i know they've only had a couple games and um obviously one of them was against an fcs opponent but uh, do, do you get a sense that there's a big difference on that side of the ball for Oklahoma so far? Yeah, and I don't. I really don't think they've had to necessarily show a whole lot at this point. Um, but I do know Alex's system from when he was at Washington State, and you know he was also uh, helping Ohio State out uh, last year. And he's an aggressive coach. That's just his nature. He he believes in and trying to do a lot with looks and at the same time try to keep it simple uh, for, for his own players. And, you know, I, I think what you'll see as time goes on is he'll find ways to attack, especially in the Big 12, uh, trying to attack, attack pass protection and, and getting pressure on a quarterback without always having to play man-to-man and always having to blitz. And that's why I think Ronnie Perkins has a chance to really shine. You know, I think he's probably the, one of the more gifted players that they have. But, you, you know, you live it. You can tell me. I mean, it's it's been a long time since Oklahoma was able to get after the quarterback without, 
without being able to bring uh, you know more than four. You know, whether you're bringing five or six, and then and that leaves your if you don't get there, that leaves your corners on islands. And I think his challenge will be trying to get trying to get pressure without leaving his corners on islands. And I, but I think in a nutshell, it's aggressive mentality, <clears throat> trying to be multiple and at the same time keep it simple for your own defense so they can play fast and and not have to overthink too much, which slows defenses down. Yeah, because it seems like that uh, while they're defensive backs, and, and certainly a lot of it is warranted, but have gotten a lot of the criticism for their defense over the last few years, it's just a big part of it is they haven't been able to get pressure from any other spot, maybe except for that spot where Okorokwo and before him Eric Stryker was. Uh, just yeah, that's it. Those, those are the only two. I mean, as you're as you're saying that, asking that question, the only two guys that that come to mind are those two. Um, and again, I don't know how long you've been in following the Sooners, but I've been I've been following them very closely for a long, long time. And it just it was an embarrassment of riches for a, forever with Bob Stoops and Mike Stoops and and defensive linemen. And I mean, they they would just have one after another headed to the NFL and. And it, it just, it's just that not been the case. And I know that that's going to become an area that, that they're really going to recruit, uh, heavier and, and try to get those elite pass rushers because in the Big 12, that's really going to be the only way that you can survive. You're either going to have to find a way to get pressure with D linemen or you're going to try to do what, you know, a lot of other people do and they just rush three and drop eight in coverage and, even that doesn't necessarily always work. So that's a challenging conference to, to coordinate defense, not just at OU, but across the board. And yeah. um, I look forward to seeing, you know, how this defense evolves as they get ready for much, much bigger challenges, uh, you know, once they get into conference play. And moving over to the offensive side, what uh, – obviously Jalen Hurts has been the buzz over the first uh, couple weeks. Is this – surprised you at all uh given what we saw from him at alabama or uh did you expect this kind of uh maybe difference in him given what lincoln riley does offensively well i think for anybody to say they expected this other than jalen hurts (laughs) um you'd probably be lying because jalen hurts is as good as he was at alabama the one area that he needed to grow was his ability to work through his progressions. And I think the system that he ran in, in uh, Tuscaloosa, even though it's been very successful, I think it was, it was an offense that tells the quarterback, Here, here's where you want to throw the football. And I think in Norman, I think he wants them, he'll openly tell you, he wants them to, to not necessarily be robots, but he wants them to be able to understand the system, but have some, have some freedom within it. And I think just two games in, Jalen looks like a different guy. I mean, he, he looks like he's in command. He looks incredibly loose and confident. He looks like he's working through his progressions. And I think you've really got to give Lincoln Riley a lot of credit and the system a lot of credit for the way they, you know, they worked with Baker Mayfield. They worked through his strengths. Uh, here comes Kyler Murray. How in the world is Kyler Murray, even though he's athletic, how in the world is he going to fit into what Baker did? And you could, you could kind of say, well, Kyler kind of had his own little signature 
on the 2018 version of the OU offense. And now in 2019, you could say, okay, he's got this big, strong running back type quarterback type of guy than Jalen Hurts. How's, how's Jalen Hurts going to fit in to this system? Because Kyler Murray took it in a different area. And we're only two weeks in, but my gosh, it, it's, it's crazy to watch this guy run this offense and look at the way, yeah, he's making the throws, but when he runs, I mean, he's lowering his shoulder and he's looking to hurt somebody, you know? And so all three have run it differently. And I think you got to give a lot of the credit to Lincoln Riley for being able to plug into what they bring to the offense and, and what he can do. Now we're two weeks in, who knows? He might, he might continue to go to a different level. Um, but the, the competition is going to get tougher and people are going to have a little bit more film to study on him and it'll become more challenging, but, my gosh, uh, between he, uh, Justin Fields, and Joe Burrow, all three of those guys are transfer portals, and all three guys are just they jumped out of the gate in the in, the, in this uh, beginning of this season. Yeah, and most most years you would think maybe there's a, a sort of voter fatigue with the Heisman and things like that, and I know it's really early uh, to to talk about things like that, but certainly with what Jalen's done the first couple of weeks, people are naturally inclined to start bringing that up. Seems like maybe his backstory uh, stunts that a little bit as far as, oh, we don't want to vote for, uh, a, you know, a, a third straight Oklahoma quarterback after what Baker and uh, Kyler did. Well, if he keeps winning games, because whether we agree with it or disagree, the Heisman Trophy in any individual uh, award seems to go to the teams that are winning games. I think it's pretty safe to assume that OU is going to win a lot of games this year. And for them to do that, he's going to have to probably throw touchdown passes and, and run for some touchdowns. And by the time we get to, you know, the Red River rivalry and into the Big 12 championship, I'm guessing he's going to have a, a couple big stages to kind of show what he can do. At the very least, as we sit here, I find it hard to imagine him not sitting in New York City at the Heisman Trophy ceremony. Whether he wins it will remain to be seen if he's able to play well against Texas, if not once, maybe twice, and is able to win those games. And, and if he does and plays well, I mean, there's very strong possibility that, that OU could have their third straight uh, Heisman Trophy winner. Yeah, and have oh, go ahead. Have uh, what's what's my man? Uh, uh, Billy, uh, Billy Sims, (laughs) up on stage again. (laughs) Yeah, it wouldn't be a Heisman Trophy ceremony without that, one way or another. Yeah, yeah. Also, want to ask you about the the team OU's playing this week, UCLA. What do what do you think about what's going on there? And obviously, uh, I know not what a lot of Bruins fans imagine when they hired Chip Kelly so far. Yeah, that, that's a little, that's a little bit, um, to be honest, I, 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 I'm a huge fan of Chip Kelly and his system and what he did at Oregon was just incredible. And he goes to the NFL for a few years and comes back. And, and I think a lot of us expected, you know, it'd take a few years to maybe recruit, uh, the players that he likes to be able to really get UCLA going, but thought at the very least, 
you'd see some signs of their offense um, uh, playing better. But three and nine last year, things could really not have gone any any worse for them to the start of the season. And so they they come into this week, and I don't want to say in desperation mode because let's be honest, they're, they're heavy underdogs for a reason. Yeah. But um, they 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 just cannot. He's very he, he would be the first one to tell you how young they are. I don't. He might have already he might have already come out. I, I remember saying it in preseason. I can't remember if it was seventy eight uh, freshmen or, or redshirt freshmen, but they're they're really really young. Um, and so from what I've seen in their first two weeks, that youth has really shown itself. And, you know, I, I'd love to see Chip get it going, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon. Yeah. And then uh, back to Oklahoma, obviously I've asked you about Jalen Hurts, asked you about uh, their their defensive situation. Anything else to this point stand out to you about what the Sooners are doing? Um. I mean, Hertz has obviously kind of stolen, stolen most of the attention because it was such a big story when they, they came in. The defense looking like it's playing with, with a lot more confidence. Um, I, I still think, you know, Trey Thurman is going to be, I think, a, a big factor. Uh, and I think the running backs in general are going to be a big factor. I think a, right now so much is being talked about with Hertz because he's running and throwing. But as the competition gets better, I think you'll see uh, Sermon and Brooks have to play a bigger role in what, what this team's doing. <clears throat> I think sometimes that's a, a part of this offense that gets overlooked <clears throat> is, yeah. a, is the running game. And, um, I, you know, one thing I see is when I watch Oklahoma film and I study them to get ready to call their game, I'm always so impressed with the offensive line play and, and the running backs. And, you know, the offensive line had to be <clears throat> had to be retooled this year because they lost so many great players from a year ago, and they were recognized as the top offensive line in the country. A couple weeks in, they look like incredible job of, of, of reestablishing that dominance at the line of scrimmage. But as the season goes on, if they're having a year, I think that uh, they're capable of having. I think the O line and the running backs uh, will, will take a, a much bigger role than they have had to in these, these first two weeks. Yeah, it seems like every time we talk on podcasts and radio and things like that, I mentioned Sermon is maybe one of the most underrated guys on this team. Oh, yeah. I think people forget yeah. a lot of the games that he's finished for them. especially. You know, you know when I fell in love with that kid was when, when Oklahoma went to Columbus. Yeah, that's what I was State. about to say. Ohio State was his hot, you know, big-time opponent at the Horseshoe, rematch from the year before when the Buckeyes won. And everybody talks about Baker and planting the flag. And what I remember about that game is Trey Thurman as a true freshman walking into that environment where it doesn't get much bigger than that. And he looked like he'd been there his whole life, made an incredible catch for a touchdown and ran the ball tough and just had a big night for a young, a young player. And I was like, whoa. Because um, there were other backs that they had that, at that time, but I kind of was like, I took a mental note and I said, I'm, I'm not going to forget this kid. This, this guy is special. So I can't wait to see him get more and more chances. And I hope he stays healthy because yeah. I don't think he was really 100% most of last year. So hopefully he can he can stay healthy and have a big year. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, all right, Clark. I'll let you know you got a few more of these things to do. So I'll let you yes, uh, get back to it. But I really appreciate you uh, taking the time. Maybe we'll see you somewhere uh, down the road if you're uh, calling an OU game. 
Hope so, man. Hope so. Thank you. Have a great week. Thank you. You too. Talk to you later. Thanks again. We're going to take a break there. I'm your host, Ryan Aber from the Oklahoman, and this is the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxby. Welcome back to the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com. We have another special guest for you here in the next uh, segment. Earlier this week, uh, Oklahoma columnist Barry Trammell got to talk to Bob Stoops about his book, uh, No Excuses, The Making of a Head Coach. Uh, it came out on Tuesday. You'll definitely want to give it a read or you can check it out on audio, in audiobook form as well. Bob Stoops reads it himself. Definitely worth uh, worth reading for any Sooners fans and uh, definitely worth listening to what Bob had to say about the book and the process uh, as he talked with Barry Trammell. Well, I wanted to ask you, I want to talk to you about the book. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. And uh, I wanted to ask you, how much fun... Was it was this a fun process or was this sort of a grueling process for you? Um, was it would have been grueling if I ever tried to do it earlier, you know. Um, so and then in the end, you know, working with Gene was easy. Um, you know, I just figured wouldn't be right anyone around here. It just didn't seem to be right for any one person. So I, you know, it just felt right with Gene. I've known Gene since my Florida days. So, um, yeah, so it was easy working with him. And, uh, you know, he's done a bunch of those, so he kind of helped me. So it it ended up being enjoyable. Um, You know, it was fun reminiscing about so many things. Gosh, and then after it's it's done, you think, oh, gosh, I forgot about this. I forgot about that. But, you know, so be it. Uh, but I uh, I found it easy to work with Gene, and he had a, he had, he had a good method on how he wanted it to flow. So, um, you know, I, I trusted him, you know, with how that would go. And then, uh, you know, so it worked out well. The, uh, the uh, stories that you told and the, the remembrance, the reminiscing you talked about, was that did you have to tax your your brain your memories or is that stuff just flow out of you you think oh yeah no that stuff just flows out of you you know um yeah it, i mean there it was really quite easy to you know i'll be honest i'm not great with little details of maybe scores and time and whatever you know i get i get easily get some of that jumbled up or, you know, Gene or I had to go back and research what was the actual score, you know what I mean? But the the memories or the moments or what I was feeling all just kind of flow out for sure. Well, you know, some I, people are yeah. just are like, some people are just really numbers people like it was fourth quarter, two minutes to go, we were up one, it was 28-27. I, whatever those those some of those things I'm not I've never been that's just never been my way of thinking you know right um my favorite part was the old Youngstown stuff of course I always like that I used to say let's write about Youngstown once a month and uh, it's a people. unique place no question very unique place and I'm sure we're the only ones in the world that invented the game and to hide the strap <laughs> for you. 
Yeah. <laughs> Anybody ever get hurt in that? No, Bad. I mean, everybody everybody got a weld or two here or there, but I mean, you know, that was part of it. But yeah, I had a I had to jump on a neighbor who my sister had tripped and fell and he was giving her a little bit too much. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I had to go I had to go interrupt that one. So now I forgot which one of your sisters it was. You quoted in the book saying out of the six you're by far the most intense of the six. And most people down here wouldn't buy that. They'd say, hey, Mike's, Mike's no, it's not, intense or more. It, but, no, it's just not, it's not even close. I, uh, I don't know what it was. I, you know, some reason I, I was always fighting somebody, you know, I, I, I always says I fought up and I fought down, you know, it, it didn't matter. And I don't know what that was, you know, but, uh, yeah, I was always, you know, going after even my older brother who was three years older and made beat the heck out of me, but I wouldn't stop, you know. And uh, Mike could Mike just say, oh, get the hell out of here. He wouldn't be bothered with you, you know. And uh, so if I was trying to pick a fight with him, you know what I mean? So so I don't know what, like I said, it, it, it was, uh, yeah, I was that way, you know. I probably had to been in more street fights with everyone as well <laughs> compared compared <laughs> to everybody else although that was a that was a pastime for me and my boys in, in high school you know we were rolling around parking lots probably half the time we went out was um was any of the, any of the stuff tough to write Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, when I talk about my daughter and, you know, going through those emotions and having to tell the and, and then even with my father, you know, uh, talking through, through 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 that. I mean, and I'll be honest, and people, I did the audio recording for it, and and I, I had to stop. I don't know how many times just trying to, trying to talk through it, you know. It, it surprised me because I don't, you know, I'm not overly emotional, but, you know, it just all of a sudden took me. I was like, wow, I wasn't ready, you know, for that emotion to all to overcome me like that, you know, because right. a lot of the same feelings, same feelings came back, you know, uh, like with Mackie, just how scared we were. And then with, you know, with my father, the shock of it all. So anyhow, it was, uh, that was, that part was tough and, uh, and really tough in the audio recording. And by the way, if you've never done that, wow, is that hard <laughs> to enunciate every word? You don't really, I'm sure you do realize how much you skim over to get the gist of things, right? Right. But to to actually read every word and enunciate every word, that whole thing, wow, that was a process. But I, I didn't feel it'd be right for anyone else. I think my voice voice is too distinctive according to everybody else that that I, I just felt I had to do it, you know. Is how about some of the uh, football decisions you had to make? Um you let us in a little bit on the inside of stuff we didn't know about. Is that stuff you wouldn't well, have again, talk, you wouldn't was, have talked that, about if you were the coach, but now you you gave us a little yeah. box was 
yeah, now it, now I, I don't have to be as guarded or, you know, I'm not as scrutinized, everything, and some of it's past. So all of it is, you know, it, it, they're, I gave my, my view of it all and how I saw it at the time, you know. One thing that one thing that comes across pretty clear throughout the whole book, I thought, is your devotion, your appreciation, and your devotion to OU and the state of Oklahoma, and that is you—that's something you said pretty regularly when you were the coach. But I don't know that—I yeah. don't know that it came across all the time to people. I don't. Uh, and to me, that's one thing that I, I got out of the book was you weren't just – whenever you said those things over the years, you weren't just talking. It's pretty clear that you do have an affinity and an appreciation for what this place has done for you. Absolutely. I hope it came across that way, and I've always been sincere about it. I think sometimes, you know, media or people are skeptical about anything a coach says. Is it just lip service? But it's not. And I would think my actions spoke to that. You know, the fact that I, you know, I stayed here and passed up a lot of different opportunities over 18 years because of my commitment to Oklahoma. And I meant what I said. I never believed this was a stepping stone job, you know, for for something different. Has most of your family read the book? No. I literally just gave my kids one yesterday. Uh, Carol has. And then, uh, no, my family at home, none of them have it. I just actually sent them all out. Carol did uh, this few days, a couple days ago. I think they're going to like it as much as... Somebody like me likes it, you especially reliving like the Youngstown crowd. Are they gonna? You think they'll have fun reliving the old Youngstown days? Oh, I hope so. I mean, I would imagine, you know, like, like, yeah, uh, I would think so. Like that crew of guys in Roxbury, where we would walk over and play their street, you know, and whatever it was, tackle football in the fall or basketball whenever we could, and it was something different all the time. How much did you? How much did you change? Like, you know, you'd you'd go through all this stuff with Gene, and I assume he would write some of it, and then did you have to do a lot of? Yeah, I, I did. A, there was a lot that some things were crossed up. You know how it is. I guess you would get it that someone's telling you a story, and he's typing it out, and then he, you know, some of it was ah, that isn't how I said it, or that isn't the meaning I had in it. So. Carol and I actually on spring break uh, had to go through all of it and, you know, rework some of it. Uh, that it, This is what I meant by this, not kind of maybe how he had it. Uh, not so much all the little, um, how do you say, the editing of uh, periods and commas right. or yeah. whatever, Grammar. but yeah. more the, the, gist, the gist of what I was saying, you know, or 
or he, you know, it's whatever. He, you know, something. So we had a. She and I actually uh, were in Cabo for spring break, and every morning, with our coffee for the first couple hours of the day, sitting out by the pool, we would start and see how many chapters we could get through. You know. Because some of it, too, she has recollections on how it all went. And... How much stuff did you leave out that people would find interesting? And you said, "There's, I'm not going to go well, there. There's no good. There's no good. There's no good point in it." Not really anything. Um... I tried to, you know, anything that was really important to, to, to visit it and go through it, and at least what Gene thought was important, or I did. So I wasn't I wasn't trying to leave anything out. I told a funny story to Carrie Murdoch this morning or last night about, like even, for instance, my high school days, after a football game or a basketball game, all the guys we'd all meet out in the parking lot, if we didn't, have somewhere to go to have a party or, you know, for everyone to congregate, we would rent a U-Haul and ride around all night and pile in the back and uh, be near be 20 of us, you know, whether guys and even some of our, you know, girls that were friends that we hung out with, everybody just pile in a U-Haul and we take turns driving, whoever was driving. So, you know, just little funny stories like that. Uh, a lot of them from back home or college days, you know. And there's only so many you can tell, so the book's already, you know, long enough. So I would say just some maybe humorous little stories here and there that, you know, that, oh, that would have been funny to, you know. I'll, I'll tell you someday my, my my class day extravaganza with my buddies over, you know, how you go around painting your car and you're beeping horns and, you know, we do that. I don't know if they do that here, but class day, you know, your senior year, you ride around with your school colors on your car. Right. And that's, they could make a movie about our day. So. <laughs> Ferris Bueller. <laughs> it was he, he he doesn't hold a candle to what we did now. <laughs> so let me just put it. It we'd start. It started off. We bought a we for a hundred bucks. We bought a buddy's car, an older guy that we knew, and there it went. And we painted painted it with house paint, and it was on after that. So. You, one thing you didn't seem to do a lot of, a little bit, but not a lot of, you didn't do a lot of soapbox. What's didn't that? What do you mean? Like jumping, like, pontificating about the state of college football and what needs to be fixed or that kind of thing. You'd have a, you'd have a few, a little bit of that, but it's not like you're trying to, it didn't well, seem to me you're, you're not trying to uh, change the world. No, there's, there's, uh, I don't know that there's a whole bunch to be fixed. Uh, I, I do believe, I, I think, I, I, you know, maybe 
but I don't. There's no evidence for for me to say this in a book. But I like, for instance, I I uh, I think if there's anything wrong with, uh, you know, and anyway, I think our game's in really good shape. I am concerned that some people are, you know, some schools or teams are are cheating in different ways recruiting. But to say that sounds like, well, well, what's your evidence? You know what I mean? Or what's your proof? And it's just, you know, I, I think sometimes there's too much hearsay and too much being, you know, in our circles said about it for it not to be somewhat true. And and to me, there should never be a competitive imbalance because of skirting rules, you know. Right. But again, that for for the, for me to put that out in the book just doesn't, you know, without any concrete something to say. Look at this. I don't know. You know what I mean? I just it didn't just didn't seem worth it. Well, let me ask you, anything else you want to say about the book that we haven't talked about? Well, um, I think as much as anything, there's there's a good forum there for coaches, for a coach's read on how we so quickly, you know, rejuvenated, you know, our program and, and immediately, you know, brought it back to national prominence. And kept it there. You know, I don't think, I think in the previous 18 years to the 18 years we were all here, and I say we, not just me, I don't think, I think there's, in that 18 years, I don't know that anyone else in the country for those 18 years all together had, had as good a winning record or, a, or I know that we had the best win percentage in against ranked uh, opponents than anybody through those 18 years. So I, anyway, I just think our methods and how we, we approached it and how we we did it, you know, because I get asked a lot by, by coaches all over two things. How do I have your path or how do I become a college coach or a head coach? And then I also am asked, how did we change the culture here so quickly, you know, and, and keep it that way for so long? So I tried it through through all of it. I, I know maybe the early stories don't pertain, but all the Oklahoma and after, you know, sure does. Well, great. Well, Bob, I appreciate it. All right, Barry. Thanks. Hey, thank you very much. Right. Once again, that's former Oklahoma coach Bob Stoops with columnist Barry Trammell. Stoops' book, No Excuses, The Making of a Head Coach, was released Tuesday. You can pick that book up at uh, your favorite bookstore certainly on Amazon.com, or also it's available in an audio book. We're going to take a break there. Be sure and bookmark RedRiverRivalry.com for Oklahoma, Texas Week as we launch a 24-hour, 7-day-long pop-up radio station celebrating the historic rivalry between the schools. We look forward as we go live on October 5th in preparation for the October 12th showdown down at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas. I'm Ryan Aber, and this is the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zach. Joined for this final segment by Joe Masato, uh, 
fellow beat writer for the Oklahoman. And uh, Joe, let's first get into uh, what we heard in the first couple segments, especially uh, the last segment uh, or the, the segment with Bob Stoops. Uh, you've, uh, I don't know if you've read the entire book, but uh, taken, uh, read a l- little bit, heard, yeah. heard what Bob has said, not only uh, in this interview, but others. And, and what's your take, main takeaway from, uh, from the book? Yeah, I, I've not read the whole thing yet. Really looking forward uh, to doing that because, um, you know, I, I don't know if this is true, but Bob has said he really didn't hold anything back. Um, but he kind of got into what some of the hardest parts of the book were. And, and one that, you know, I, I know we've talked about a little bit is his toughest day on the job and the decision to fire Josh Heupel. I, I thought is kind of fascinating because, you know, obviously a, a quarterback that won you a national championship in your second year and then ultimately the decision to fire him. I, I thought that's kind of a fascinating entry. Yeah, it really was a fascinating entry, and we knew that that day was really tough on Josh Heupel, or excuse me, tough on Bob Stoops. He did not want to let go of Josh Heupel, yeah. but felt like he had to based on where the program was offensively, where he wanted to go. Uh, obviously, it's worked out great for both sides, though. With, yeah. uh, obviously, Lincoln Riley's been uh, phenomenal at Oklahoma. Riley was hired in, in the aftermath of Heupel's firing. And it's worked out great for Josh Heupel. Josh Heupel exactly. went on uh, what he started at Utah State right after that, then moved Missouri. to Missouri, and then finally got the uh, the head coaching job at, at Central Florida, and has the uh, the Knights rolling right now. Yeah, it's interesting because you could have looked at that like maybe that could have almost been the end of Josh Heupel's career because you know if the outside perception was well he got that job because he was Oklahoma's quarterback and he had that connection. But then he went and sort of made for a name for himself at Utah State, Missouri. And I think a lot of us were a little surprised that he got that UCF job. But he's only continued the success that Scott Frost had there. And um, Oklahoma wouldn't have it any other way with Lincoln Riley. So it's interesting. No one really uh, was hurt by the ripple effects of that decision. No, it's worked out fantastically for both sides. I think Josh Heupel grew from it, too. Yeah. Just uh, the... The people he was around at both those places that I mentioned before he got to Central Florida, I think that helped him. And, and also just the reevaluation, I think, that, that goes through with something like that. But it was really rough on Josh Heupel. I, I think uh, Sooners fans still appreciate Josh Heupel for what he brought to this team, both on the field and, and as a coach. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it was time to move on. I don't think there's any doubt about that, and, and that's uh, borne itself out. But it was really interesting to read Bob's takes on it here a few years later. They're a little bit different than maybe some of the things he would say publicly then. Yeah, and, you know, um, he, he actually described it to another decision that he didn't make but that Lincoln Riley made. And that was the decision last year um, that Lincoln had to make to fire Mike Stoops, Bob's brother. And, you know, talking to Lincoln about that and saying, I don't like it, but I understand that in this job, sometimes you have to do things you don't want to do. Bob said he didn't want to fire Josh Eipel. He just knew he had to. Lincoln probably didn't want to fire Mike. He just had to. So I thought that was interesting of once he handed over the reins to Lincoln Riley, um, he kind of knew what position that Lincoln was in and some of those decisions that you ultimately have to make. Yeah, so I, I really encourage anybody to uh, check out the book 
no excuses the making of a head coach it's out uh, in bookstores now you can also get an audio book version with bob stoops reading yeah how the about audio. that so bob uh, talking very, to you very interesting i would uh, <laughs> would recommend it to anybody sooners fans are going to find a lot of it fascinating um from bob talking about going to the children's hospital which he doesn't open up about uh, very often at all uh, he talks a lot about uh, carol and and some of the uh, important events that she had a hand with in his life talks a lot about youngstown and and growing up there so a fascinating read for for any sooners football fan for sure but uh joe let's get to a couple uh, mailbag questions and uh toby actually has sort of a, a two-part thing but we'll start with the first part uh do you think they play too many commercials advertising or, or promotion uh in the stadium it, he said it seems like the band hardly ever plays yeah you know this is something that you know i i think being in the box sometimes it's sort of easy to ignore but yeah like you you are hearing less and less uh songs from bands like at the game especially when the home team is on defense you're hearing all, all the all, all the music from the speakers piped in and uh getting away from the band sounds those are drowned out a little bit but you know there's still a soft spot in my heart for bands and kind of the you know just everything that comes with college football yeah it, i mean bands to me are so much a part of the college football experience i mean you know i had to shake my head the other day at texas what happened down there the lsu yeah. game if you didn't see it they had the band uh, upper deck in the back of the end zone that's a, a chris del Connie thing too apparently he did that at tcu as well trying to get the i think the the explanation that he gave is one trying to make their student section contiguous in uh, in Austin, they had had sort of a couple different sections of students. They wanted to make it one big mass, and, and two, you know, you can sort of understand wanting to make sure that uh, that your fans are the ones who get the the ideal tickets. But at the same time, you know, if you do it like that, other teams are going to uh, treat you in kind. And LSU has already said the return trip, uh, their bit the visiting band and, and fans are usually really close to the field that's not going to be the case uh when uh, lsu or when the longhorns visit baton rouge yeah you, you got to be careful when you schedule those home and home series if you uh if you're the second one to host you get to do some of the things that the first team did but i thought it was really cool uh we touched on this i, I think in our best and worst best representation saturday last saturday norman the sound of usd the south dakota <laughs> band was in Norman, so uh, if you like bands, it was pretty cool to see that uh, they made the eight, ten-hour trip uh, down from Vermilion, South Dakota, to Norman, and, good, and we're good here. Good on them. That, yeah. was, that was good. And they were smart enough to wear T-shirts doing it. And OU's band was smart enough to wear just normal ball caps instead of the, the tall, fuzzy hats. That I try to, f like, look <laughs> that up and find, like, okay, what, what do you call those tall hats that band people wear? Sorry, I, was, I wasn't in band. And I couldn't find a word. So. so tall fuzzy hats is what it is. Tall fuzzy hats is, I think, is what made the uh, the newspaper. <laughs> All right. So uh, Toby also said should also tell the crowd to get loud when the opponent's offense is in the huddle, uh, not when getting lined up. And huddle. We actually, yeah, huddle. What <laughs> huddle? What is this? I mean, uh, who huddles? Who? Uh, yeah, anymore? we are. 
that should be a, we should do a story just like here's a list of the the mm-hmm. 10 teams in college football that still huddle are there 10 army navy <laughs> but you Georgia know, I'm Southern thinking about <laughs> army a little bit yeah. and I don't know that they did maybe they yeah, I don't know they if they did. do I mean because I watched that game on uh, last weekend uh, with Michigan before heading down uh, down here to Norman so uh, certainly uh, something I mean yeah fans you got to be smart about when to get loud and, and when it's appropriate but you know I thought the OU fans have been pretty good through the first two games yeah I was really impressed um, more so with the second game than the Houston game. Houston game, you expected everyone to get up for a Sunday night matchup, um, but I did not expect the crowd to be great last Saturday against an FCS opponent when it was very, 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 very warm. But um, looking out at the stands at the beginning of the game, there were there were very few empty seats. Yeah. So let's turn our attention though to uh, Saturday. OU UCLA. We've talked about this game on the the earlier podcast in the week. But it is prediction time, Joe. And uh, what was what uh, would you uh, pick for the score on Saturday? I said forty-two seventeen. Um, you know, I think it's going to be kind of right around that margin. It's a you know reflection of two things. OU's got a very good offense, and I think they can put up some points against this UCLA team. Uh, but then even more so, UCLA's offense has just been non-existent uh, so far in their first two games, and I, I think. OU's defense, it remains to be seen how much they have progressed. Early signs look fairly good, um, but UCLA isn't going to pose the same test that Texas Tech and other Big 12 teams coming up are going to. Yeah, and I went 44-20, to 20, so right in the same ballpark and looking at all of the other picks on our staff, from Barry Trammell to, to Jenny Carlson, Scott Wright, Jacob Unruh, everybody right around the same ballpark, I think, uh, the most points picked for OU was 49 by Scott Wright, 49-24 to 24 final. Uh, the most points picked by UCLA was uh, Scott Wright with 24, uh, tying Barry Trammell who had 48-24. So I think everybody thinks that maybe uh, uh, UCLA will score, uh, score a couple of touchdowns at least on the Sooners, but uh, shouldn't be. Uh, you know, it's it's not going to go down to the fourth quarter. I don't think anybody thinks. What what do you think though is uh, maybe one player that's key to Saturday's game? You know, I don't know if it's one player. I'm just going to go with the whole group. I think it's the offensive line. And hearing what Bill Beanbow had to say yesterday, uh, you were there. He was. Uh, I, I was not there, but he was apparently not very happy. I, I read your story, so I think he's looking for more progression out of his offensive line. Yeah, that'll be something to watch. We'll see if uh, Marquise Hayes is back. Yeah, uh, it, it seems like there's a good chance he will be after uh, uh, talking to some folks yesterday, so we'll see about that. Uh, for me, I think it's going to be the linebackers. I think keep an eye on those guys, see what they're able to do. Dorian uh, Thompson-Robinson uh, has the ability to scramble and get yeah. out of the pocket and make plays with his feet. I think the linebackers are going to play a, a big role for the Sooners defensively in Saturday's game. But uh, we're going to wrap it up uh, there. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks to both Kirk Herbstreet and Bob Stoops for joining us uh, in separate interviews. Uh, we'll have to try to have uh, some more guests on for you in the future. But uh, really appreciate you joining us. Once again, the Sooners Extra Podcast, as always, presented by Zaxby's your cravings stop in today or visit zaxby's.com you can check out our work every day 
at Oklahoman.com and every morning in the Oklahoman for the best OU coverage anywhere.